This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Roundtable. It has been a while. Almost a month now, I think, actually. We haven't had an episode for a while. Uh, we planned to, but, you know, Christmas happened and schedules didn't quite line up. We were all travelling all over the country, etc, etc. Then Ollie went to Japan. Uh, Arn's super busy with work. And then when he's not at work, he's doing this weird thing called going to wrestling shows. So he doesn't have time to record talking about wrestling shows. How selfish of him, I know. Um, but I am here. And... I am joined today by Lee Malone. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, we've decided to kind of flex the roundtable aspect so that we do uh, at least have one episode this month. Um, the the schedule isn't looking brilliant even for the for the rest of January, but we're going to hope to get the the British episode off towards the end of January or maybe early February, if depending on when um, schedules line up. Uh, and then we're also Probably going to have an interview later this month. What we're going to be doing today, and the reason I brought our OTT expert on, our Irish wrestling expert, is we're going to be doing a kind of an OTT year in review um, segment because over the last year in 2018, OTT did some really good stuff and we didn't always cover them with the regularity they probably deserved on this show. So to try and remedy that at least partially, um, we're going to be dedicating this episode um, to the uh, the great going on goings on in the Emerald Isle over the last year in wrestling. I think it's uh, well deserved this year that uh, a whole show is dedicated to OTT. I think. Yeah, um, I it, it wasn't a promotion I was caught up on throughout the year. I I watched one or two matches throughout the year, but like re- in the last couple of weeks or so, I've been doing doing a catch up, and it's one of those things where you go damn, I really should have just been staying up to date with this because this is as good as it was anywhere in Europe this this uh, this last year. Yeah, I, I know from uh, chatting with Aaron a little bit, he was kind of keeping up as the shows were coming out and he was saying, like, uh, you know, you should be kind of giving it a bit more focus on the show. So um, when you asked, would I be available to do a kind of year in review? I thought, yeah, great idea. So, you know, you can you can probably tell straight away we're both very positive on the year OTT's had. Um, but do you want to briefly give a little bit of history on how long OTT's been around and how how it's kind of brought the scene from where it was pre-OTT to, to where it is now? Uh, well, I can say that I have been going since 2016. I think it was around, I think it was 2014 was their first show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the scene at that time was pretty much non-existent. Um, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, the, the kid-friendly shows, 
maybe with like a battle royal, two singles matches, a tag match, and that was like the touring little going to every little village in Ireland. Um, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with those type of shows, but you know, we didn't have the kind of super indie type thing that OTT has become. Um, I mean, when I started going, they were still kind of bringing in your kind of WWE guys. The first show I went to had uh, Paul James on it. Um, not that he was to draw. I just decided so I was going to start attending independent wrestling again. Um, but from kind of the end of 2016 into the beginning of 2017, they started to bring in kind of more indie names. Like uh, Marty Scurro became a, a more regular occurrence. Zack Sabre, Pete Dawn, of course, got a big, well, I'd say his kind of major, first major push was in OTT. Um, guys like Ryan Smile were regularly here, Tyler Bates. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just grown from from mid, like the growth I've seen from mid 2016 to now is just, it's like a whole different company almost. I don't think I'm wrong in saying, but you'll be able to kind of elaborate on it as someone far more familiar with it. 2018 especially really feels like it's been a transition year or that it, it's kind of, it's been different from the previous years in that it's gone from a common early criticism of OTC was that it wasn't featuring the Irish talent. It was it was a British indie that happened to be in Ireland that just happened to be taking place there. It you know, the, as you mentioned, the the big featured guys, they were there were Pete Dunn, Ryan Smile, Marty Skirl, uh, Zach, etc. etc. Whereas twenty eighteen really feels like a year where they've gained their own identity, aside from and in many ways ahead of a lot of the the other you know British um, independent companies that you you think of a lot when you think of European wrestling you know your progressors your rev pros and a lot of that has it was initially around Devlin but it, it's kind of spread throughout the whole card now where there are still quite a lot of UK talents involved but there's a lot of Irish talent there and they also don't feel out of place and you can kind of combine that with the fact that they're now using a batch of talent in storyline ways, like uh, we're going to get into it later, but the, the way they view Volta, it's, they're using them in the way where it's not feeling like, oh, we're going to bring in the progress guys for this show. It's, we're going to bring in these guys and we're going to build our own stories around them and we're going to mix them in with our own talent. And, it's really got now to the stage where it really doesn't feel like it's just another British Isles indie. Mm -hmm. It's It's got its own character and its own feel. And, and that's a big difference for me from going back and watching a lot of this 2018 stuff compared to previous years where I'd check in, where I'd be like, yeah, a lot of this wrestling's good, but it's also not necessarily that different to what I'd be um, getting if I was watching, say, um, a Fight Club Pro show or a, or a, a Rev Pro show in the matches that don't have the New Japan guys, etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to, like, the 2017 shows, I mean, really the only Irish guys or girls on the shows were Katie Harvey, Martina, Jordan Devlin, um, Luther, or Joe, if he had a match, uh, the Kings of the North and maybe the lads from the Flats. Other than that, you were kind of, you weren't getting many Irish guys or girls on the shows. So I mean, to see 
the cards this year. I mean, you have Irish Irish trained wrestlers up and down the card, and they, like you said, don't feel out of place. You have Sean Guinness come back from 0-1. Michael May has come in. Morden Hype, Curtis Murray, um, Valkyrie, Debbie Keitel. Just so many. Scotty Davis. I mean, it just just people up and down the card, and they thoroughly deserve the slots they're being given. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a, a good a transition as any is. We're going to get into one of our, our topics we wanted to cover, and that's Jordan Devlin, because mm-hmm. this guy has had one hell of a year. And the way I would best describe it, I think, is he feels in OTT like an ace. And you don't really get that many aces in Western wrestling, but I can't think of anyone better outside of Japan that really fills that ace role in terms of character, in terms of aura when he comes out, in terms of crowd connection, than him right now when he's in OTT. Yeah, like you say, I think that's the perfect description of Jordan in OTT. He is the consummate ace. OTT is his promotion. He's, it's like, he yeah, he'll do matches in progress, or he'll do a match for a Fight Club Pro or w, uh, NXT UK. But in OTT, he's a different beast. It's like, it's just the, the surroundings, the crowd, it's just different. And Jordan becomes a different wrestler. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to be given credit to the booking of him. And obviously, a huge amount of it is his simple talent level, because it doesn't matter how good the booking was. If he wasn't delivering in the ring, I don't think he would have worked. But the way they booked him through, like, I don't know the exact timeline off the top of my head. But I think like mid-2017, all the way through to his eventual title win at the beginning of the year, um, at, at one of the, the stadium, I think the first stadium show of the year? Uh, he won the title in December 2017. Oh, okay. So not even 2018. Um, yeah. but, but his road to that title with all those wins over the imports and almost... You know, as as it is said so often that it's become cliche, the best wrestling storylines are steeped at least slightly in reality. It was kind of feeding off the whole idea at the time that people did have that criticism of this is Irish wrestling, but where are the Irish wrestlers? It's all imports. Well, Jordan Devlin was at that time kind of the only or one of the only Irish wrestlers there, and he made it his gimmick that well, yes, there are all these imports, but I'm Irish, and I'm going to prove I'm better than all of them. And, you know, it was it was a really simple booking. They basically just had him win, but it was super effective. And by the time he eventually won that title, he was more than a made man. It, it's funny because Jordan's build to the title actually started with a heel turn. He turned heel on Tyler, but he actually had a really good technical match with Tyler and then turned on him after the match and joined with uh, Paul Tracy to form the social elite. And it was the whole thing of, you know, the Irish homegrown guys being overlooked for your Pete Dones, your Ryan Smiles, your Mark Haskins. And Jordan felt, you know, this was going to be his thing to push him on. He wanted to start, he wanted the main events instead of being in the opening match. And from there, I mean, I think he was tail for about six months and then there was a match he had with Moose in the Tivoli and Moose press slammed him from the ring to the stage. If you've ever seen a show at the Tivoli, you know, they have the stage where they have the, there's like a three, three or four rows of seats and the screen or whatever. And Jordan ran from the stage back and did a kind of 
body press from stage into the ring. And from that moment on, it just turned and Jordan was the, wasn't quite the ace, but he was all of a sudden like, he we were behind him. And it was from that point on, he just kept beating the imports and beating them and beating them. And it built to the match with Haskins at the stadium in uh, December 2017. Yeah. And for a lot of guys, the chase is where it's at. And then the championship reign maybe can't live up to it when the chase has been as good as that was. And what really impressed me was how they managed to transition that I'm Irish and I'm not getting the spot I deserve because of all these imports into I'm now the champion and I'm the representative of this company. And it was just an easy transition and they kept the same excitement around him, which is very hard to do. Keeping that excitement of this this hot new thing on the way up. Now he's at the top. He's he was just as hot all the way through. Um, that's that was so impressive, uh, through twenty eighteen. And you know, a lot of that has to be um given to just how good a, a standard of match he was having once he got the title. Yeah, I mean, like I I can't think of one bad title match he had as champion. Um. Like off the top of my head, I, I mean, I know I was I really enjoyed the Scrapper Mania match with uh, Zach, um, Scrapper Mania four at the stadium. I mean, the crowd retired at that stage. It had been a long show, but um, I thought they put on a really good show. And again, like, like you said, I mean, he just the the chase was something else. But as champion, he just never let up either. And that's kind of what gives the ace vibe, I think. It, it's few people can keep that level of excitement with basically no character change. He's just, he's just, he's just been himself. I mean, if, if you ever talk to Jordan at a show and I mean, he's very approachable. Um, he, he's just, he is Jordan Devlin. I mean, that, that's just who he is. And when he's in the ring, it's just, whether it's 500 in the Tivoli, 800 in the, in the arena on Shore Road or 2000 at the stadium. It's just we're all behind them, and it's it is it is something special to have like an Irish wrestler that is one of the best in the world right now. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to say that after you know I think a lot of people and he, he's probably mostly shrugged this off, but a lot of people initial exposure to him was the UK Championship tournament where I think he'll probably freely admit wasn't his best showing personally, and Not, yeah. the way he's gone from that and built himself into what he is now is is really a credit to him. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. I mean, yeah, he, I think, like you say, he would admit that that wasn't his greatest weekend of uh, matches, but he still left an impression. And people went, okay, I'll give him a chance and see what he's... If we see him again, like we're not going to, you know, just go, ah, it's Jordan Devlin. He, he did leave a slight impression, just enough to, for people to say, okay, we'll give him another chance. And uh, I think, especially in the UK, he did have a hard time with the whole comparisons to Balor and things like that. But again, through just through his quality of work, I think it was around the middle of this year, just things clicked and all of a sudden, I know the Progress crowd uh, over, was this uh, Super Strong Style weekend? Yeah. Yeah, that was when they really started to embrace him. Yeah, so so you mentioned the Scrapper Mania match. Um, 
just to, to mention a few more matches that from his title reign that, that people might want to go out and, and seek if they haven't been following OTT uh, religiously to 2018. I really enjoyed the, the Thatcher match right at the beginning of the year at the, the homecoming show. That was a, a great title defense. Um, and then not a singles match, but um, and, and it will kind of transition us to our next topic. But um, one of his last matches that he had as champion uh, in OTT uh, was a tag match where he teamed with David Starr against Volta and Loki in the main event of A Haven for Monsters. That was my favourite OTT match of all year and was just, I thought, an incredible performance by uh, both Devlin and Starr especially uh, in that they managed to so brilliantly toe the line between getting over a monster because that match was all about presenting Volta as the biggest threat that had ever been in OTT. And they did that magnificently, but also managed to have an incredibly compelling match throughout where it was competitive because it's it would be easy to get him over as a monster by just having a squash match, but that's not what they did. They had a competitive match where they also managed to get over that Volta is just better than anyone who's ever been here before. And that's so difficult, and they did it so masterfully. Yeah, um, I was actually on my honeymoon when that show took place, and I was so disappointed when I realised that was the match they made when I was going to be away. Um, obviously, I was delighted to get married and have <laughs> and it was lovely, and thank God my wife can't hear me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like you say, they, there was three stories kind of interwoven in that match perfectly. You had Jordan and Star coming in, not taking it seriously to the extent that they should have. You had Walter debuting and coming in as just this monster, as you said. And, like, the biggest, most unbelievable threat. Like, I mean, half of the Timothy crowd probably hadn't got a clue who Walter was. And, I mean, that's not a slight on any of the people that go to OTT, but it's true. There was probably large sections of the crowd that didn't know who Walter was that night. And to get him over in the space of one night as this incredible threat and somebody that we had never seen before in OTT, as well as telling the story of Jordan and uh, David Starr as these two best friends. I mean, it was just, it was perfect. Um, and that, that kind of went from that into... Volta eventually winning the title in mm-hmm. um, at, at WrestleRama, uh, which was another of OTT's bigger stadium shows, um, and that was another absolutely fabulous match. That actually wasn't a stadium show. That was the, oh, was it uh, not the arena? The arena. Ah, it's it's, sli- it's sli- slightly bigger. It's about eight hundred capacity compared to I think it's five hundred actively. But um, yeah, the, uh, that match for me is the greatest match I've ever seen live. I actually rewatched it today, knowing that I was doing the podcast with you. And it's only the third time I've re rewatched it. And I still get chills from the opening package through the entrances, through the whole match. There's just so many little things that that match like it just the emotions that, that match makes me feel are just I've never had anything else like it being a wrestling fan yeah the there's a lot of times in wrestling where 
everything doesn't quite come together perfectly. Like, maybe the in-ring works great, but the story's not quite there. Or the, the crowd's super invested, and the story's great, and then the in-ring doesn't quite deliver. Or you can have a good story um, from, like, a, a an aesthetics view and good in-ring wrestling, but for whatever reason, the crowd doesn't care. And that kind of will always take it uh, down a bit. This had all three working in unison and just culminating perfectly. And it it would have been easy to kind of ha- have like a banana peel win for for Dev uh, for sorry for Volta, like something a bit dodgy. Give give Devlin an out. You've built him so strong for so long. He's the ace of your company. And but no, they just had him lose clean. And it was the perfect not ending to that story, but the perfect ending to that chapter of the story. Because it made it so satisfying because you wanted to know, well, what the hell's next here? You've had Devlin run through the company, run through every import that arrives for, what, a year and a half or something at that point. Up until the tag match at uh, Haven for Monsters, it was 18 months since he had been pinned. Right. You know, in OTT. And then Um, twice, pretty definitively, he was defeated within the spell of, what, two months? Two months, yeah. Um, in between, uh, Walter had had, had destroyed Maxer, uh, Sean Guinness, at the And I mean, that match, it is a squash match, and it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch. I mean, they, OTT have booked Walter better than I think any other company in twenty eighteen. Right, I was I was just about to say that they <laughs> they they have really handled Walter to perfection and. You know that it, it's a great material to use when you've got someone as good as Volta to bring in, but you know it's it's harder for WXW because he's been there so long and they have to find new and fresh things for him to do. And but you know when you compare it with Progress, which is a very similar example, they've done similar things with him. They've strapped him up. Uh, he's become the focal point of their company. Um, he he's he's beat long term champions in both both uh, promotions uh, after not being in the, the company for too long. But if you look at the way they've, the, the way they've handled him in progress and the way they've handled him in OTT, and I should add, I don't think they've handled him particularly badly in progress. I think they've done a decent job with him, but everything in OTT has just been perfect. They brought him in with that tag match where um, that was the perfect introduction for him. He beat the guy who'd been an, uh, who hadn't lost for so so long? Then he destroyed the the champion's friend in, as you kind of put it, a squash match. But it was an incredibly compelling squash match for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he main events a big show at WrestleRama, beats the champion clean in the middle of the ring in the middle of the ring. You know, the undefeated champion for so long. Now he's just he's just. You know, it was a competitive match and it lasted a long time and um, Devlin got a lot of near falls. But at the end of the day, you just came away thinking, oh, Volta's just a lot better than him. They're like, And if Devlin's been better than everyone else, who the hell is going to take the title of Volta? It's it's just been the perfect build. And then they transitioned that into the Osprey match, which only added um, to Volta's aura in that company. Because mm-hmm. Osprey's another guy who's been booked very strongly in OTT over the over the years, really, um, and especially with his, his win over Riddle not not too long before the, the title match. 
And, you know, they had Osprey basically hit Volta with everything. And Volta just kicked out and beat him in the end. And it's just been masterful booking. And uh, another thing I really want to touch on, and I, I'll, I realise I've been <laughs> monologuing for a while here just on Volta and OTT. So I'll hand back over to you soon. But the video packages that they've had for Volta have added so much. And it would probably be great without him, but... It, They've just been magnificent, and they've added, like, they, you can just, you can not be following the OTT product, you can watch the video package before the WrestleRama main event, and then watch the WrestleRama main event, and you will still get that story entirely, and be incredibly hyped for that match. Yeah, that's uh, Sean Ryan, I believe his name is, Crooked Gentleman on Twitter. He has added so much to the product this year. I, I don't know how OTT came came across them or whether one approached the other. I don't know, but I am just so happy that they did because he has been just such an asset. Like you say, the, the video packages, to me, they're, they're probably some of the best video packages you'll ever see outside of WWE. And that's including other major companies like ROH, like TNA, even like WCW. Like I mean, to me, some of the stuff he's produced has just been magical. Um, the way Walter has been built up, I mean, the the WrestleRam main event, comparing Bruno and Tyson to to the way uh, getting in the ring with Walter felt like feeling his chops for the first time. Jordan was just you know putting it over so much, and like it's just the little things like they they um depicted him as like this this monster, this army was the way he was depicted in the video packages, just coming in to des- destroy and take over. And I mean, it's exactly what he's done. Nobody has been able to stop him. And as you said, the layers in the stories from coming in with the, the awesome debut, destroying Jordan's best friend, Maxer, beating Jordan clean in the middle of the ring, going on to defeat Osprey again in the middle of the ring at the stadium. Osprey, a guy who has been really, really protected in OTT. And then it just continues on and on and on. And it becomes a question of, who can't stop Walter in OTT? Right, and it's and we should add as great as that um, Devlin Volta match was. A lot of people prefer the Osprey match, which isn't a slight to the Devlin match. It's just that you know, in a lot of companies, Dev, the Devlin match would be a clear match of the year contender, and nothing's coming close to it. Within two months, they had another match that some people thought was just as good, if not better. And that's another match you definitely need to go out of your way to see if you haven't seen it. It's It was just... They, they were quite different matches, but they were both masterfully done. And mm-hmm. both... We can't stress enough that every step Volta has taken in his, you know, at this point still relatively short run in OTT... Nothing could be improved, I don't think. Everything has been perfect. And I mean, that's not forgetting going on to Redemption, which was following the Osprey match. It was um, Ringkampf making their actual debut in OTT, Walter and Thatcher, taking on Starr and Devlin. And we got another little nugget where Devlin had him pinned. And David Starr um, turned on Devlin and pulled out the ref. And we're now heading towards Starr versus Devlin at a this year's homecoming in a, a month from now and the winner of that will face Walter. So, I mean, it's just, it's been built magnificently. 
step by step by step. Like they haven't put a foot wrong, really. Right, and that that was another thing I, I wanted to touch on. And full disclosure, I haven't actually seen the match. I I meant to, and then I got delayed, and then it kind of got put on the back burner for a little bit, and then my OTT on demand subscription elapsed, and I was like, ah, oh, do I really want to? resubscribe to watch one match I'll, I'll let it wait a bit and you know let, let, i haven't got to it yet but i have seen the angle um mm -hmm. and because i kind of went, went ahead of that uh, at, a, at a previous time and the way and, and we've kind of talked about this in the in the dms before but the the way they managed to invest you in the star devlin relationship and make it feel really earned mm -hmm. when that breakup eventually occurred and it was a big moment was so impressive because when do you think about it they've teamed up once right yeah. well before yeah. the before the turn they had one team one tag team match um in the the match we mentioned earlier in the uh, against Volta and Loki which was an amazing match mm -hmm. they had that one team up then they teamed up again against Ringkampf and that, that Star turned on him, and it felt like the biggest betrayal ever. How have they done that in one match? It's amazing. It's um, here's another thing for you, and people that don't realize this will like have their minds blown on this. David Starr has not won a match in OTT. He hasn't actually won any match. Um, he was actually one of the imports that Jordan beat on his run to the title. Mm -hmm. Then he's come back and. They had to team up with Jordan. Then he lost to Thatcher on the WrestleRama show. Then he lost again with Jordan to Ringkampf when he uh, pulled out the ref. And, I mean, the way they have built David Starr without actually having him win, and it, it's, again, it's just been something special to see. Like, And, I mean, I love, I, I'm a massive David Starr fan. So, I mean, I'm kind of invested in that sense. But, I mean, I just think it's it's been perfect every step of the way since the tag match, since Walter came in. Yeah, it's... It, it shouldn't be a big thing because it should just be the base of all level of storytelling. But the way it's just led from step to step to step, logically throughout this whole story, you've built the monster up, the monster's won the title... Then you've had the, the Valiant Challenger get close to him, but then they've had a little bit of conflict there. You've had the turn, which Fennel earned because of what they did in the prior tag match, where they really... Um, and, and it was so brilliant because they managed to do... And it served two purposes. They they didn't take the match seriously, so it, it kind of presented the... We weren't ready for Volta because Volta mm -hmm. is something we've never seen before he's that good he's that much of a monster he's that different to everything else that's been in this company beforehand and that immediately gets Volta over as a big deal but you also kind of have the oh but you Volta Devlin maybe wasn't taking it fully seriously so that that kind of helped for the build to the title match where he was taking it fully seriously and he still lost which then gets Volta over even more but it kind of built to that match but it also in doing all that it got you invested in the Star Devlin relationship, and so then when they had the turn, it would have been so easy if they hadn't have quite played it right for you to kind of go, he's turned on him, but like, why do I care? Like, they've yeah, teamed well, up once, why does it matter? 
But they've just yeah. made that, and through video packages and ex- mm-hmm. and and that initial entrance, they made it felt feel so earned. And it's it's just been brilliant the way they've taken step to step to step. They found like a distraction for Devlin because I think I think most people probably feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels to me like Devlin is gonna be the guy who eventually beats Volta for the title probably midway through 2019 and the star thing is kind of a distraction for him so it's not just Volta wins the title and then loses it straight back to Devlin but Devlin's been so built up in the company that you have to find him something big to do and this star thing is the perfect distraction for him and it it just it's all so logical why can't all wrestling be like this damn it and you're also missing out the fact that in between building to Walter and Osprey they also built to Walt or to uh, Osprey and Jordan, because they were throwing digs at each other in like uh, pre-taped interviews with with uh, Angus McAnally, and they were just little jabs going back and forward. And I mean, if they go back to that story, it politically I don't think they can now. But I mean, that match was being built up perfectly. I mean, initially it was supposed to be Osprey and Jordan facing Ring Camp, and then Star was allowed to replace him because um, Osprey got injured. I can't remember. I think it was his rib injury. Um, but I mean, it's it, it's just been so, like you say, logical and just step by step by step, and it's all made sense. Yeah, it's in a way, I'm I'm always I I say this. Osprey's probably my second favorite wrestler um, behind Oni Naito, and I'm always glad that it, it did end up being Star in this role instead of Osprey because you've ideally you still have the Osprey match in your back pocket maybe politically you, you can't do that anymore annoyingly um, but you know it, it seems like touch wood Volta Pack's happening so maybe but uh, we'll, we'll see as of now it hasn't been cancelled so we're just not going to mention it and hope it's spoiled <laughs> yeah everyone keep quiet about it and the um, yeah. they have that um this is a, a very niche reference. But they had that being being the elite shirt, like change the world, where Ireland just wasn't on the globe. <laughs> <laughs> so like just just pretend you're not there. Hopefully WWE won't notice you're there. They'll be like, yeah, there, there's nothing there. It's, that's not part of the UK. That's you know that's nothing to do with us. Um, and you know you'll get away with the match. And then someone go, someone will go, wait, did we let that happen? We shouldn't have let that happen. Oh, well, we won't let it happen again. But but for now, it, it, it's all looking good, and I'm very much looking forward to that match. Um, I, will, I will say, OTT seem to have been able to ride the fence, shall we say, between New Japan and WWE like nobody else they, in 2018. They've done it remarkably well. They've kind of taken that spot from... Rev Pro did it for a while um, when they were like having guys for the, the the very first Cruiserweight... Well, there's only been one, I think. Uh, yeah, there's still only been one. Um, for the for the Cruiserweight Classic, they were doing qualifiers for that while still having New Japan guys all over their show. That's that's definitely ended. Um, that's that's they're, they're now on the, the blacklist. OTT, they, they're just playing all, all the sides. It's, uh, they're doing a brilliant job, and <laughs> good for them while they can make it last. Hopefully. Um, so, yeah, uh, I... Are you in agreement thinking that that's the direction they're going with Devlin will probably be the guy who, who takes the championship back from Volta? I, I think they have to. I think it has to build to um, to Jordan and Walter at uh, the Scrapper Mania 5. It, it does feel um, like the 
that would be the satisfying ending to the story, definitely. It feels that way, and I can't say that I wouldn't... Like, I don't think I'd be disappointed if Walter retained either, though. It, it's a weird one. Like, it, it feels like that would be the climax of the story, and Walter would go on his merry way to whatever it is he's going to go on to do. But, I, I selfishly, I'd love him to stay on as well. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's a weird one. It would be that thing with kind of... Uh, that that Okada-Tanahashi Wrestle Kingdom match where everyone in the world was convinced Okada was winning and then Tanahashi just won. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you've just built towards Okada winning on the big stage for a whole year and he still lost. But it was compelling because it's like, well, now I'm incredibly excited to see what the hell happens next. Um, and they, they, they would have that option as well. Um, and obviously it's, it's almost made, it's unfortunate in many ways, but in, in a way it's almost more compelling because you've got the whole contract situation. You kind of never know when Devlin could get to the point where WWE goes, yeah, we don't want you working this place anymore. You know, touch wood, that doesn't happen anytime soon, but that's always on the table kind of now. And the same thing with Volta. So that that that's so it kind of makes any result feel very possible. Um, so that's if if as we both assume that is the match that will eventually happen, that's going to be a hell of an atmosphere. That, that that's the thing that worries me. That if if Jordan is the one to take the title from Walter, is it just going to turn around that okay? Well, now Jordan's going to be gone now as well. So is it? It wouldn't be wasted. It would be um an amazing moment. But you would have that thing of, uh, was it a bit wasted having it be Jordan to be the one to beat him? And we can kind of use that to transition to our next topic in that what you kind of need now with that hanging over Devlin is you need the next big Irish guy. And to be fair to OTT, at least in the early stages, um, there, there's not really anyone who's like, just below Devlin at the moment in terms of the Irish talent. But in terms of, you look at from last year, um, where the, the young Irish guys were, to where they are now, the amount of them and the ability of them has been very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the one I'm highest on at this current moment is Scotty Davis. Um, where he has come from, from... At the start of the year, he had a match with A-Kid at a, a contender show. And I think that was really when a lot of us sat up and took notice. And throughout the whole year of 2018, he has just... Every time we've seen him, there's been something new. He's progressed. He's got better. Everything has a little bit more snap. He's a little bit more vicious. He's he's just coming on step... I hate to say it again, step by step. But, I mean, it's just watching him once or twice a month and you see the progression of him and I, if we can keep hold of him he's still only he, he's disgustingly young I can't remember his exact age but he's definitely like 18 I think 18, 17 or 18 and if we can keep hold of him for a couple of years I think he is the one that will be built up to be the next ace if if you want to say it that way right yeah and it's let, let's talk a little about how 
OTT has gone from the promotion that was, you know, very import focused to really being a promotion that maybe maybe more so than any other of the big European promotions, has really done a great job of bringing through young talent. Um, and I think the contenders show that shows that, you know, they 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 were they did start before twenty eighteen, I think I'm right in saying, but twenty eighteen's been the first full year of them, is that right? Yeah, they started in twenty seventeen. Um the first show of the year actually for OTT was a contenders show, it was contenders five. So there was four of them in twenty seventeen. Um but I mean they've been a constant throughout the year. I think we closed the year on thirteen, so I think yeah, seven or eight shows this year. I mean, they have been a major part of the connection that the the next group of young Irish wrestlers have with the audience. Um, they've played a major part. I mean, for me personally, a big thing of contenders is I get to bring my son to the shows, and he gets to get this connection with the wrestlers. I mean, he he watches WWE, he watches New Japan. But his favourite wrestlers are Jordan Devlin, Morden Hype, Scotty Davis. So, I mean, to me, those contender shows are they're vital to the, the emotion that we feel watching these guys and girls when they're in the ring and watching them win. Uh, Raven Creed this year went from uh, a wrestler that was on a couple of contender shows to main eventing Defiance 2 in October and winning the OTT women's title and getting one of the biggest ovations in OTT history. I mean, it, it's just stuff like that that's helped turn from, like you said, we went from, yeah, we're this Irish indie that brings over a lot of Brit rest guys and yeah, they're kind of okay to, we are an Irish promotion. I mean, yeah, we are part of Brit rest as well in the bigger sense, but we have our own identity. We have our own unique wrestlers. And, I mean, it, it, 2018 has been a major, major improvement in that. I remember when Contenders first started, and there were quite a few criticisms of it, in that they were like, huh, typical OCT, they're running student shows, and they're still bringing imports for it. Um, that was like a, a big dig at them at the time. But I think if you really look at, the shows and more importantly look at the transition that the guys who have come from contenders and have managed to work their way onto the main shows from contenders have had it you know the proof is in how how brilliantly those transitions have been when you compare it to say where, when progress used to run endeavor shows for their students and it was just students and then occasionally usually through the 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 natural progression series they they'd work their way onto the main shows and it just wouldn't quite work there was never really that that crowd um that crowd connection that that traveled across that they managed to build up on the endeavor shows and then translated it onto the chapter shows contenders my feel has really been that there is that that connection that has been able to be ported across from the contenders to the main shows, and that's really helped a lot of the the younger guys. Is my my impression as a kind of an outsider looking in. Yeah, I mean, look if you look at the contenders lineups from even since when they began, you will see that like Morden Hype, Darren Harney, L.J. Cleary, Nathan Martin, they've all had big singles matches with like Jordan. Uh, they've all been in there with Kings of the North. 
they've all been in there with Maxer, with imports like A-Kid and Carlos Romo. They've been getting these big matches without them actually being built as big matches. And it just builds that confidence within them. And we get that connection, as you said. And it's just getting to see them then on the main shows, taking on imports of a bigger stature and bigger matches and then title matches. And it just builds and it's built and built and built. And it it has been like, I, I mean, there was a couple of contender shows where there, right, there was a lot of imports and it was a bit like, eh, maybe kind of lay off on a few of them. But I mean, I can't knock OTT because the young guys have been able to go in there and get experience with the bigger names without major pressure to perform. But I mean, I can't knock any of them because there hasn't been like any major disappointments. I mean, the contender shows, like I say, like the, the main shows have been special. But for me, the contender shows have been the real highlight this year. They've done a, a great job of really making them feel important which is hard to do when it's a show focused on, you know, the whole vibe is these are less experienced guys. It's very easy for people to kind of go, okay, I don't need to watch them then. I'll just watch the main shows. And you can just watch the main shows, but you it, you kind of get like an underground feel. You feel like you're getting on the ground floor of these guys. And you see that path because they have managed to transition guys from contenders into the main show, being highlights of main shows. Um, Scotty mm-hmm. Davis being being that uh, great example. He, he had a very hype match um, against Devlin uh, at the the recent Belfast show, um, and he was a guy who was you know a guy who was kind of made in in contenders kind of. Um, it definitely was, was has been a focus of a lot of the contenders shows. And because you can see that that clear that clear route, it's kind of a, a sports thing. But when like I'm I'm a big Liverpool fan, um, which I know you hate, but um, <laughs> Tr- Trent uh, Alexander Arnold being able to go from the youth team to the main team, I think has helped a lot of our younger academy players, just because they see that clear path now. And while, mm-hmm. whereas previously they'd kind of, they'd kind of, when, when things weren't going brilliantly for them or they weren't getting starts, they'd go, I'm never going to get a start here. I'll just go for a transfer, get on with my career because I'm never actually getting into the team. There is that clear route there now. And it's kind of the same thing with the contenders. And for the fans, that, that makes investment so much easier because you, it's worth buying into a Clayton Long or a Scotty Davis, or one of the more than hype members who, whose names escape me. Nathan Martin's one of them, right? Right. Nathan, Nathan Martin, L.J. Cleary, and uh, Darren Carney. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> I know them better as a collective <laughs> of individuals at the moment, but um, yeah. They... Um, I mean, going just going on what you're saying. I mean, from talking to a couple of the trainees that have been on contender shows, and speaking to them, they know that that path is there. They've seen like more than hype, like Scotty. That if they, they perform and they improve on these shows and they take those opportunities, there is this, the path is there, as you said. It is almost, to use the football analogy, it is the reserve team. And if you perform on that stage, you are going to get called up. So, I mean, an example is Callum Black on the last couple of contender shows has had really good matches. So, on the first one of this year, 
he is facing uh, Carlos Romo. And I mean, that's his first big import match. And I'm sure if he delivers there, before long he'll be on the main show. It's it's that, that nice progression yeah. of you, you face off against guys of similar experience of you just to kind of get the reps in, start impressing there. We'll move you into a featured role on the Contenders show. You'll have a big import match. It'll be a great learning opportunity for you. And if you show that you can swim there, then, you know, the sky's the limit. You'll you'll be on the main shows, keep impressing, and, you know, you could be the next Devlin or whatever. And it, it just, it's, you just get the feel, even on tape, and I imagine it's even better live. It's just like an exciting atmosphere, and it feels exciting to be a part of that, that kind of, it, I think you, you, you got this a lot in, um, in Britress from like 2012 to 2014 it feels like you're not only seeing the growth of the scene and and that that was that was great feeling that growth of the scene but you also felt the growth of wrestlers and you you felt if I buy into this guy now like I bought into Will Ospreay like the first time I saw him live and as you can imagine it's been a, a great ride to be on right from the, the near the ground floor all the way up to you know one of the best wrestlers in the world having matches everywhere and you just mm-hmm. get that vibe with a lot of the um the ott guys uh who are in contenders right now um you mentioned scotty davis already as a as a real highlight but um mm-hmm. for someone who uh is maybe listening to this and hasn't seen any of the contenders show has maybe cherry picked a few ott matches Who's a guy in 2019 that's that's been featured in on those contender shows through 2018 who you really think is going to make a splash um, in this coming year? Uh, I've already mentioned one, Callum Black. I think he's going to step up this year. He'll be one, definitely one to watch, whether it's just on contenders or maybe moving up to the main shows later in the year. I mean, he's kind of a... What would be the way to describe him? He's like a mini hoss. He's, he's like a big strong guy he's not the tall not the tallest in the world which is a problem that a lot of us heroes seem to have but um he definitely he can deliver in the ring he he had a, a great match with uh, with scotty davis actually on one of the contender shows and uh he's definitely one that i'm very high on right now um huge huge potential in callum um another one uh See, I haven't gone to many of the, the wrestling school shows, so I'm not as familiar with some of the trainees coming up as others. Um, I mean, she's already made it on the main stage, but Raven Creed is, is going to be... I think she's going to really break out into the UK this year. Right. She, she, she is definitely something special. I mean, and again, she is only 19, I think. And she's already OTT Women's Champion. And it's just the little things you can see that she has that a lot of people don't get. But already at such a young age, she just seems to get it, you know? Even if you don't watch the match, and you know, you should. But even if you don't, I, I really recommend just checking out the the reaction that there was live for her winning that title. It was in, like... She's so young, and yet the connection she has with that that OCT crowd is incredible. That that like there was there was such an outpouring of love and happiness when she won that title. It was brilliant. And it, it's not to make a comparison, but it's almost Jordan esque in that up to that night, Raven had been a a hated heel. She got 
some of the worst abuse in I I don't mean awful like bad stuff, but just like booze and chants and in a good way for a heel. But I mean, we loved to hate Raven. But up until that night, I mean, it was just on that night she became our our female equivalent. You know, we just embraced her as as our champion. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's that's brilliant to have that. And it's it's mm-hmm. that that's another example of because something I didn't actually have on on the run sheet, but the the way they've managed to book the women through especially the second half of this year um but you know throughout the whole year more so than previous years but especially the second mm-hmm. half has been a real highlight yeah i mean the, the first half of the year was uh, hit or miss shall we say um didn't have the greatest record there was a run of i think it was from seven some point in 2017 onwards but there was a run of a lot of shows without a, a women's match a lot of main shows um, and then from pretty much defiant in April, kind of torn things around. That was an all-women show. I think it was the first ever all-women show in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much from that point on, they've done a lot of things right with the, with the title. Uh, Sammy Jane won the title that night. And she, she was unfortunate in that she got injured, I think, not long afterwards. Um, so that kind of curtailed whatever plans they may have had for her. Um. But yeah, I mean, girls like Valkyrie has come on a massive amount in the past year. She wasn't, she wasn't getting on many shows at the beginning of the year, but at the end of the year, she's kind of a constant now on the shows. Debbie Keitel is another one. Again, she, she just recently turned heel with Valkyrie actually, and I'm looking forward to seeing her heel work. Um, I've only seen little bits in other places of her as a heel. But uh, there's definitely some promise there in those two taking on um, Raven, hopefully down the line. Cool, cool. Um, right, so we've got a, a couple of things that I, I have no segue to, but um, <laughs> that, that we wanted to cover ahead of time. Um, the first is a feud that I really enjoyed throughout the first half of the year, and we, we've kind of focused more on the, the second half of the year, partially because I think it was, you know, most people will probably agree, while the first half of the year was solid, the second half of the year was where OTT really kicked on, um, with the whole um, Devlin, Walter, and everything surrounding it. The women became, as you just said, a far more focused part. I mean, they were actually on the shows throughout <laughs> for a start, but um, uh, that became a real strength, um, et cetera, et cetera. But from the first half of the year... Um, the Rapture versus Kings of the North, that whole kind of six-man feud, I thought that was really strong and also something very non-indie wrestling. It felt like a a modern version of like a an old like eighties kind of feud. You had your your very like over-the-top invaders coming into the promotion, foreign invaders playing playing things up. Um, they came in um, taking on the at, you know, actually turn the Kings of the North heel, I think I'm... That's, sorry, turn them from heel to face, um, who, for the longest time, they'd have been... They were the, you know, the non-Republic of Irish... But Republic of Ireland Irish people who kind of drew heat just on being Northern Islanders. Um, they kind of... It kind of flipped from being, well, at least they're Irish, they're our guys, the Kings of the North. Um, they've been on all our shows... 
and you know you kind of got the crowd had a, a begrudging respect for them by that point um then the rapture came in which were uh, Zach Gibson uh Charlie not Garrett Charlie Sterling and yeah, yeah. uh Shah Samuels came in playing up the you know as UK as you can get and over over exaggerating that using that to uh, annoy the the Irish crowd as much as possible really overplaying that whole aspect um they came in Kings of the North kind of turned face through that and those two teams just had a, a really compelling feud in in a way that you don't see too much in independent wrestling because it was lots of classic heat they had the big cage match that really felt like i don't know it was just, it just had like an old school territory vibe and i really enjoyed the whole feud that that's exactly what's going to say i didn't want to cut you off but it felt like an old nwa territory feud in that these guys came in, the Rapture came in, and they took out all the face teams. They took out the lads from the flats. They took out more than hype. Um, they, I can't remember who else they beat. Uh, Angel and Be Cool. And then they were calling out, you know, we've beaten all the Irish. We've beaten everybody. And it was a subtle thing. But if you were in the audience, and I think the cameras picked it up on, on recording it, one month when Zach was um, giving one of his classic promos, before a match, the Kings of the North were just peeking out the the uh, curtain, and that was all it was. But the seed was planted, and then the following month again, they, I think they beat beaten down a couple of the young young uh, contenders, and with that, the Kings hit the ring, and from that moment on, it was it was it was on. It was the Kings were bastards, but they were our bastards. And that was very much, it was very, that territory thing of, yeah, we don't like them, but we respect them and they're ours and they're going to kick your ass and not going to take this shit from you, you know? And I mean, the Rapture, they, they were the perfect heels to turn the King's face. The Kings had been the most despised unit in OTT up until that point. Yeah, it's there was just a real energy to that whole feud, and the matches delivered too. I think if yeah, why you would be listening to this, I'm not entirely sure. But if you're not a guy who's uh, you're not not a person who's super into like the the modern indie wrestling storytelling, and you kind of fondly look back on NWA and wish more stuff was was like that, that there's the same energy to this, but with kind of more, slightly more modern wrestling like sensibilities but it, it you it was just the energy of like an old school territory feud it's it's kind of somewhat hard to to just put into words which you know <laughs> maybe is a problem for a podcast but i think if you watch it you'll you'll really get what we mean and i mean we we put over walter as you know the, the story being told was was magnificent with walter but i have never experienced anybody get heat like zach gibson got in the tivoli month after month that man was absolutely despised. He the the sound of the bills when he would try to speak was it was deafening. I mean, it, I've never experienced anything like it. Yeah, he's that that's that's Zach, isn't it? Like he's he's so good at that. But um, it, if anything, he was he was even better um at it in Ireland than than anywhere else this year, and that's saying something because he's. He's great everywhere on the on the stick, as they say. Um, 
Okay, looking forward to to twenty nineteen, um, it, it's it's an interesting time for for OGT, and we've touched on it a little, but um, so far they've managed to kind of walk the line uh, between the the New Japan side of things and the WWE side of things, and that they're still using Volta, they're still using Devlin, but um, you've had a lot of of New Japan guys in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably forget some, but you've you've had uh, Naito, you've had Evil, Sonada. Did you have Hiromu earlier in the year? No, we didn't have Hiromu. Unfortunately, he got injured ah, yeah, before LIJ. Right. Um, Ishii... like, we had Ishii, we've had Juice. Juice actually did a contender show as well. Um, we've had Suzuki twice. Oh, right, we've had yeah, Ishii of course. Twice. Uh, Kushida has been a couple of times. Um, God, who else we had? Uh, off the top of my head, that's all I can think of right now. Obviously, Osprey and Zach, uh, yeah, <laughs> and and Zach, yeah. Um, I mean, a, co- a cool little thing for me was um, Osprey did a contender show and brought the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title and actually called yeah. my son up to the ring to take the title off him, and that's that's a great that, photo. Like, Forgetting everything else, that's been my highlight of the year. <laughs> um, that was that was really cool and something I've, I would really appreciate from, you know, for the rest of my life and for <laughs> obviously the rest of Connor's life that he likes wrestling now. So, um, but yeah, I mean the the New Japan relationship, I mean, it kind of, it was unexpected almost. I mean, it seemed like we that OTT were more they weren't quite aligned, but with uh. WWE, but it seemed to be going that way. I mean, after initially, I mean, I think on the live Scrapper Mania, they actually played an ad for ROH out of nowhere um, because Jay White had come over um, back in 2017. I mean, I think we had White, we had Skrull, um, and a couple of other guys from ROH at the time were on the show. And then all of a sudden, it seemed to go back heavily towards a WWE relationship. I mean, uh, Joe Cabrera was seen at the first UK tournament in the crowd alongside Mark Dallas. Um, but since then, it's kind of like, like we said earlier, he's kind of, he's told the line between not getting full in with either or. And I mean, as a fan, we've benefited most from it. I mean, we've got some amazing talent. Like I said, we've seen Suzuki twice. That's something I never expected to see in Dublin was Hearing a crowd belt out Kaze Nina Ray, like ten or twenty minutes from where I grew up, um, Ishi and Juice Robinson had a, a four and a half star match that wouldn't have been out of place in a G one, at the National Stadium in Dublin. Uh, Kushida and Ishi had a great match in Dublin. Um, Lij getting to see all the Lij entrances at the stadium. I mean that that stuff I couldn't I, in. The start of the year, I wouldn't imagine that would happen. So to have seen all that in twenty eighteen, I mean, I I personally hope that we can continue to kind of tow like ride the fence between boats, but I don't see long term how it's going to be possible, especially with A AEW now thrown into the mix as well. Right, right. It does. Through through this year, it kind of felt like. 
you almost managed to get away with it in that you were like almost one step removed. It was like, you're affiliated with RPW. You're not affiliated with New Japan. And they were just, you know, the guys would come over for the Rev Pro shows and then they would work the OTT shows the same the same weekend. Um, yeah. there, there would be a lot of synergy there. You'd, you'd often have like a Rev Pro show on the Friday, um, then OTT on the Saturday and the Sunday or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that that would work quite well together in that, but it does feel that you know eventually everyone kind of has to pick a side, and with with contract wars occurring currently, it, it's probably going to be, but going to be relatively soon. It's going to be it's going to be weird um, because I get the the general vibe that a lot of people, and maybe it's just kind of our bubble, but a lot of people would like OTT to be on kind of the the non-WWE side, because obviously WWE has a lot of ill will. But then when you really look at the the roster and the guy that they're the guys that they're kind of building their storylines around, it's Devlin, it's Volta. As great as having Ishii and, and Juice in um, for shows, and you know obviously Osprey too. He is kind of in the middle there in that he is bit, having storylines built around him, but he's less featured than Volta and um, Devlin still. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably be a bigger loss to lose the WWE guys at the moment, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, like we, they ran OTT ran the national stadium three times last year, and originally they ran it in twenty seventeen for the books and Kenny Omega coming over, and that was the only time I think that um, we had a full full on sellout. They ran it twice in 2017 with the books and Kenny on one show and then Mick Foley and Joey Ryan and a couple of others on the other show but this last year 2018 they ran it three times and I think they came close on the last one the fourth anniversary show that was headlined by Osprey and Walter but the New Japan guys yeah I mean look like I said I've loved seeing them but at the moment I think it's more important to have that kind of in with the WWE guys and being able to get I mean Zach Gibson was on is going to be on a show in uh, February um, Shane Strickland who's rumoured to be signed apparently although I think he's now denied that um, he's going to be on an OTT show Walter is going to be on OTT shows Jordan is going to be on OTT shows so it, it seems that it's kind of swung back the other way now yeah, which, you know, on in the short-term view is great because it means you get more Devlin, more Volta. You you know, mm. you get to see that storyline play out. And as we've already gushed for ages on how excellent that's been. It would be a huge shame to have that cut short. But then kind of, yeah, I know, I know you specifically, um, just from talking with you, in the long run, you'd you'd kind of prefer it if if um ott didn't end up like like progress which is perhaps yeah. like the, the dark timeline that you've got to be wary of <laughs> yeah it, it, and that's not a knock at progress look progress is its own thing but it's not something i'm massively into at the moment and i worry that ott in the coming year is going to become a victim of like you said the contract wars and the political games of who can face who and well if they're facing them sure you know they're not pinning them but I mean it's a worry for this coming year but on the on the more positive note I am 
excited more about the Irish talent that we have and hopefully in 2019 that they can build them up, continue to build them up and maybe this year we will see Scotty Davis headline uh, one of the main shows and go from there maybe. Yeah, you've you've got the the nice hope in that you do have a lot of the unlike in the UK currently where a lot of the the young promising UK talent they're already signed by WWE other than Devlin out of the Irish talent who is there that's signed um there's nobody else signed at the moment no like Tucker isn't I think he's not signed anymore something weird happened there I don't I, it, and he wasn't yeah, a regular OTT guy anyway um no um at the moment, nobody is signed, but with the UK Performance Centre now there in it's London, isn't it? Um, it's a worry that maybe they're going to start throwing their eye at, at these guys and that we might lose a couple of them way too early. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it certainly casts a large shadow, um, unfortunately. Um, although, you know, it's, it's obviously... You always have to kind of clarify. It, it's great for the people um, involved because they get to make a full-time living out of wrestling, and that's excellent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all incredibly talented, and they deserve that. Um, but, you know, as as fans, it's always slightly disappointing. And often with a lot of these guys, it's like, well, yes, maybe that is the right place for them eventually, but it does feel too early. Like, you know, if Scotty Davis got signed today, it would be like, really? You couldn't wait a few years? Like, you don't need him now. You know, that that kind of vibe. Um, And I think another part of it is that while 2018 has been a year where, from an outsider looking in anyway, it, it has been the year when other promotions have started to sprout up that feel like they have more than just being just local promotions. You know, you've had Courage, which is starting to make a little bit of a splash. Fight Factory feels a bit more relevant now. They, they're kind of... They're getting levels of attention. Um, but at the same time, when, to a, to a lot of people, Irish wrestling is OTT at the moment. And so, if they did end up like a progress, it would maybe be... Like, you don't want that to be the only option, is kind of what I'm saying. And at the moment, it feels like that kind of is the way it is in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, Courage isn't in uh, a position at the moment to kind of... to not challenge OTT, but be, be put on the same level. And I mean, it, it, I think they're only on to the, what, their third or fourth show coming up this month or next month. Um so, I mean, they are relatively new, and maybe they will get to that point. I mean, they're starting to use uh, WXW wrestlers now. I know Avalanche and Bobby Cones are coming in for their next show. Um, Fight Factory are running a lot more regularly now, doing uh, kind of trainee shows and things like that. Um, NLW, which is kind of an offshoot of OTT and Contenders, are running a little bit more regularly. They ran once last year. I know they've announced their next show. And they're kind of like a family-friendly, kind of like your Butlins type show for uh, the the trainees right. to do. Um, and I mean, I went to the NLW show last year and it's some of the most fun I've had watching wrestling with um, 
a friend of mine who went with us, Dave Ryan, that does the WCW podcast with me and Connor, and we had great fun at that. And again, shows like that have their place, but they're like if if OTT were to lose that buzz that it has right now and kind of level down and become kind of light progress or progress light even, um, I would worry for the same a little bit. Especially if guys like Martin Hype, Valkyrie, Raven Creed, Scotty Day, if like a couple of them get signed to a, a PC, to the WWE PC, I'd worry that we're not going to see them and and on a personal level for them, I worry that they're not going to grow the way they should as well. Right. So we don't end this, uh, this whole OTT discussion on that down note. Uh, we'll end it with giving some recommendations um, in terms of uh, if someone hasn't watched OTT through 2018, what a... The, the five matches that we would recommend. I'll go first, because I realise I'm, I'm springing this upon you, so uh, give you some time to think. Um, obviously, I imagine a lot of these will overlap, because, you know, they, they're they not a promotion that's run a million shows. Um, mm-hmm. But my top five matches would be the, you know, several times mentioned Volta and Loki versus Star and Devlin match. Um, the two big uh, Volta title matches... Uh, Volta versus Jordan Devlin from WrestleRama, and then Volta versus Osprey from um, the fourth anniversary show. I would also throw in um, Osprey versus Riddle um, from Scrappermania. I, I really enjoyed that one. That was while a lot of the the, the matches I, I mentioned uh, the other three were they're kind of all in the the epic genre kind of kind of deal. Uh, that's kind of a, a far more concise, almost sprint. I think it only goes about 10, 15 minutes or so, somewhere around there. Um, and it's not like a million kickouts or anything. It's just two really talented guys going up against each other, um, being incredibly athletic, having a, having a, a great a great match. Um, and then... Ooh, one more. I'll go, I'll go Travis Banks versus... Um, Zack Sabre Jr. from Homecoming right at the beginning of the year. That was um, a bit of an under-the-radar under match by by the, the year's end, given how how long it had been. Um, well, I think that's beginning of February or something, but uh, I really enjoyed that one, yeah. I, I will say, if you want to watch a whole show, do watch that Homecoming show. I think that was the most complete show that uh, they put out throughout the year. Yeah. Um, there were, I think the show closed with something like, I think I had three or four matches the last three or four matches with a four plus four stars plus. Um, for my five, obviously I've already raved about uh Jordan versus Walter, um at WrestleMania. I think that goes without saying. Um, I will also add Raven Creed versus um Jordan Grace from Defiant Two. The match in which uh, Raven wins the OTT Women's Title, again just to see that connection, to to feel that that uh, massive pop when Raven wins the title, I think that's something special. Um, I'm gonna include a Morton Hype match as well, since we've mentioned him so much. Um, from o- uh, this is OTT Fran Appreciation Night. Uh, it was the thirtieth of September. Uh, it was uh, Morton Hype against. Miko Satamura and the Rascals, um, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. 
I thought that was a phenomenal match. It was just, it was almost like your typical indie match, and I thought it's just been more than I've best match I've seen them have so far. Um, let's see what else. What else? Uh, what's that leave me at? That's three, isn't it? I think so. Uh, see, you did just spring this on me, so I'm <laughs> unprepared. Um, oh, Scotty Davis and Jordan from the Belfast show that closed out the year. The last show of the year. Um, again, a, a great example of how much Scotty has come on from the year, throughout the year. And seeing Jordan as... He's a little bit more heelish in the match. And it just it fit it works perfectly within the story of the match, and it's just there's also a, a, a little angle afterwards involving Star as well, so it kind of it all blends in together as well. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I will say, oh, if you want to see a couple of big stars, if you're not going to watch the whole Homecoming show, Keith Lee and Mike Bailey from that show had a really great match as well. Um. If you want to see two guys that come in, and I think Keith came in a couple of times during the year for OTT and had a couple of really good matches, one on contenders as well. Um, but yeah, that that be my five. If you if you want to check out and see what OTT is all about. Cool. Um, and I think that kind of draws the OTT talk to a close. Um, we will talk though about the recent um. NXT UK WWE takeover takeover colon you know Blackpool twelve more words NXT UK universe very very mouthy um, yeah. Liverpool's number one Liverpool's number one Liverpool's number one um, have we fig- have we figured out how exactly to stylize NXT UK is it NXT UK NXT UK NXT dash UK <laughs> it's um. I've seen all of them, so I, I still I'm not sure. It's what way? I'm not sure they know because I've definitely seen them use a colon, but they don't always use the colon. So uh, uh, yeah. we probably care about it a lot more than they do, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Um, so this was a a big show that happened in Blackpool this month, um, and it was kind of a contentious one. Obviously, there's. Joe's covered it a lot on the TV reviews. Um, it's going into the show. the The TV hasn't been, I mean, for for several reasons, partially to 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 whiz through them that you know it wasn't that fresh. Uh, there isn't a lot of goodwill behind NXT UK with the whole contract situation going on at the moment. Um, releasing two episodes a week. It then taking so long to start releasing them, all those reasons is there wasn't kind of there wasn't that much hype going into the this takeover, um, and as such, I it didn't it, it had a very different vibe to all of the the US takeovers where you kind of get the impression that the crowds, to be fair, the live crowd was very excited, but you get the, the sense a lot of people are super excited when the the uh, US takeovers happened. This less so, especially given that it was the first one. I mean, we there was a takeover London for like NXT US a while ago, but this was kind of the first takeover big show for um, the UK brand, and it didn't feel that hyped going in. Um, yeah, I mean, within our bubble, especially, I thought you know there was 
very little buzz going on. Um, like you said, I, I don't think a ton of people watch the weekly show. And maybe that contributed to it. Maybe it's the ill will from all the signings um, contributed to it as well. It, it just it didn't feel going in like it was going to be... It didn't feel must-watch, and it really should have been. It, it should have felt like that. It, it's, I mean, people have been screaming out for years for WWE to do shows in the UK. And now they have like their own territory almost, and it just it it didn't feel any way anticipated. Mm. Um, we won't go through the whole card. We'll kind of just uh, touch on the highlights. But um, it kicks off really strong with the opener, um, which was Mustache Mountain versus the Grizzled Young Vets. I thought this was a magnificent match, and one of my favorite like. It's it's a match that by the end of the year probably won't end up in like my top ten for like match of the year voting, but if it does end up there, I wouldn't be completely shocked. It I'm I'm I was that high on it. I thought this was masterful tag team wrestling, and some of the selling and the face in peril stuff. Trent Seven especially was magnificent in this match with his arm selling after the um the Shankly Gates that he was locked in for a while. He basically wrestled the rest of the match one armed. It did maybe take a little while to get going, but you take that last 15 minutes. Magnificent wrestling. Uh, I think you're slightly higher on, on, than, on, than I was. Um, I had it about four and a quarter. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it was brilliant. I mean, the per- I thought it was the perfect way to kickstart the show. Um, like you said, Trent was magnificent as the face in peril. Um like I, I loved that uh Mustache Mountain got their, their finish, the rebound Lariat and the Dragon Suplex, but because Trent couldn't use his arm to properly hook Drake on, on the suplex, that he just didn't connect fully and wasn't able to get the, the pain. Um little things like that, I mean, I just thought there was so much in it that Yeah, I mean it was just it was Bloody brilliant! Like, <laughs> um, even I mean Drake, I think gets a lot of bad press. Like, obviously compared to Gibson, he doesn't have the personality. But I mean, I I find that he always delivers when he has to. And I thought he was really good here as well. Yeah, he. I think this is probably my favorite performance by him. Um, anywhere, like he 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 not only didn't it would have been easy with. He was in there with Trent Seven, Zach Gibson, and Tyler Bate. And you can be a good wrestler and still kind of stick out in that match because mm-hmm. you're in there with elite-level wrestlers. He looked like he completely belonged. He was great. And I think I think it was the right call as well to have the Grizzled Young Vets win. Um, yeah. I think Mustache Mountain obviously chasing is, is much more interesting. And... The Grizzled Young Vets having the titles does a lot more for them than Mustache Mountain having the titles. Because Mustache Mountain are already made for that crowd. They're already mm-hmm. a big deal. Whereas the Grizzled Young Vets, them getting this win puts them over the top to that next level. Um, and, you know, it going the other way, would have you'd have then had like, well, you've got Mustache Mountain who are clearly the best team and there's kind of no one else really around them. Um which is kind of what you got in the main event here, um, in that yeah. you had Pete Dunne, who felt like this really big deal, and then Joe Kofi, who was just happened to be the guy he was facing in this match. 
Yeah, um, Kofi is. A, I like Joe. He, he's a good mid card wrestler, but that's what he is. He's not a guy that you want to be putting in the main event of your first major show. And I mean, I'm a lot lower on this match than maybe a lot of people. I thought this match was. Uh, what what's the polite way of saying it? It was really really bad. <laughs> Um, just nothing seemed to work for me. I mean, they they didn't seem to have any chemistry earlier on. There was a lot of kind of not start like it, it was slow. They were they just it just nothing seemed to click earlier on. I think there was a middle portion where for about five minutes where it seemed to get going and the crowd came back alive. And to be fair, the crowd seemed engaged for the rest of the match, the closing 10, 15 minutes. But I think by that point I had just kind of almost given up on the match and they never got me back. And yeah, I mean, I just don't see why they put Kofi in that position. Um, to me, the obvious thing was to do Devlin, but they burnt that as a TV match and it just made no sense to me. Yeah, it... I, I'm I'm a lot higher on this match than you. I mean, that's not saying a, a, a huge amount. You did the the written review for this show, and I think you went what one star was it? What one one star? Yeah, yeah. like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm nowhere near that. But uh, I've got to give a couple of provisos. Um, firstly, I only watched this match today, so I went in with super low expectations because I'd, I'd edited Lee's review. Uh, so I'd you know I'd I'd read all the, the horrible things he'd written about it. Um, I hate long matches, so I went in knowing it was a long match, thinking I'm really not going to enjoy this. So my expectations were super low, and I was pleasantly surprised. I expected to hate it a lot more than I did. Uh, in fact, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I didn't think it was any sort of great match or anything. Um, I ended up around three and a half stars. I do have to give the second proviso that while I was watching it, um, a lot of the Brexit stuff was going down, so I was kind of distracted. So at times I was maybe half watching it, which perhaps could have helped. Um, maybe it was a match that, you know, I, I lost a lot of the dead time on because I was reading and going, how the hell has Theresa May managed to win a vote of no confidence after getting absolutely destroyed in her Brexit vote? But, you know, <laughs> let's let's leave that over there um and you know maybe if i'd have it had have my absolute full attention i'd have you know been more annoyed by all the downtime more annoyed by some of the the finer points not quite clicking um but i, I didn't hate it nearly as much as i was expecting to hate it which <laughs> is damning it with faint praise i know but um i thought there were for how long it was i was fairly engaged throughout which i didn't expect because I've watched far shorter Joe Kofi matches against, you know, wrestlers of similar caliber to Pete Dunne. Like, uh, I've seen him have a match with Minoru Suzuki, which I was thoroughly bored throughout. I was never really bored through this match, and I went in expecting to be, knowing how long it was, and knowing that, you know, a lot of people weren't very high on it, and knowing that, you know, I've, I've never been someone who's been super high on Kofi. There were several things that really did annoy me, um, that stopped it being any sort of great match. There was... There was a fair few sloppy spots, not least being the the, the 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 spot where I really laughed at, which obviously wasn't what they were going for, when Kofi 
meant to throw Pete Dunne into the barricade, but actually just kind of slowly yeah. fell backwards and did yeah. the kind of the, the windmill arms as he was slowly falling. <laughs> you could see in his eyes go, shit, this is not supposed to happen. No, no, don't fall. Grab me, please grab. Oh, you haven't grabbed me. I've just fallen off the top rope to the outside now. Um, that was a, that was a nice laugh, which isn't really what you want in the climactic part of the match. And then I hated that they just redid that spot, but, you know, doing it properly the second time where Kofi kind of threw Pete Dunne from the top rope. It was so obvious that that was what they were going for the first time. It was so contrived to get straight back to that position. I hated that. Um, yeah. And I didn't really like the finish because, you know, I know it's a, a weird, nerdy wrestling fan thing, but, you know, breaking someone's, like, digit manipulation through pretty much all wrestling is not not usually allowed, you know? The ref usually tells you off for doing it or gives you a count, and yet apparently it's fine for your finisher to be breaking someone's fingers in a submission. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's one of the things, like, closed fists are allowed in WWE now, but they never tell us any of the rules, so it just feels weird. But, I, I you know, I hate that as a finisher. I, even if it is not breaking the rules, I just don't enjoy that. I felt after such a long match, it wasn't very climactic at all for him to just kind of sit on him and break his fingers and then Kofi to t- tap out. That was underwhelming. Yeah, there's no drama to that to that finish. I mean, he, it's not like he worked over the fingers a ton in the match. I mean, he did as usual, you know, spots that he does in most matches. But, I mean, to just, like, he just locks on an armbar, pulls on the fingers and gets the instant tap. I mean, why didn't he do it 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. before that? Like, for the love of God, he should have done it 20 minutes before that. <laughs> now, that all said, the effort was very much there. I'm sure even you'll admit that, knowing you hated the match. Like, they, they clearly worked hard here, even if not everything landed. Um... I really enjoyed. There were there were several periods of the match that I really enjoyed. I I thought the the power bomb on the the apron was an awesome spot. Um, the the kind of thrown sideways power bomb um, off the top rope into the ring, that was. It looked slightly sloppy, but that was kind of on the. I don't mind moves looking sloppy if they don't look contrived. If they don't look like they're going wrong, they. They just look like someone's tried to do a power move and it's they haven't quite got them fully, but it's it's still done, it's still impactful. As long as it kind of fits into the story, it was a long way into the match, the two guys are exhausted, Kofi kind of roughly pulls him off the top rope, does a power bomb into the ring, I really enjoyed that spot. Um, they, they had some cool strike exchanges, that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate it, and, and the crowd... I, I can, I, you know, it's it can sometimes be annoying when, or feel annoying when you're not into a match, and a crowd is, and they're chanting about it being awesome, and you're just rolling your eyes, but because I wasn't as low on it as you, I thought the crowd kind of added to the match, because they were, they were very invested in the match, they clearly really enjoyed the match, they were very loud, and I think that always adds to a match if you're enjoying it to begin with. Um, obviously you yeah. weren't, and you kind of, pro- I I did obviously roll my eyes at I watching Vince McMahon, etc. But, you know, that's that's the kind of thing you're going to get with NXT UK crowd. Yeah, it, it, to me it felt like the crowd were trying to will them on to, like, pick things up and, you know, keep going or what have you. Um, look, yeah, they, they work hard. For me, it just didn't connect at all with me. And as I said in the review, Pete Dunne is one of my favourite wrestlers. 
of all time, ne- never mind the last couple of years. Um, it just felt like such a disappointment for it to be the first uh, NXT UK takeover, and that was the main event we were given. They worked worked it as an epic, and it just wasn't to me. Um, I, I do agree there was a couple of cool spots, but it just couldn't save it for me personally. Right, right. That, that's completely fair. And I wouldn't disagree at all in the fact that that shouldn't have been the main event. Um, that, like, that was... If that was a TV match, uh, a TV main event, then I imagine you'd probably be quite a bit more favourable on it. Um, but it, 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 it didn't live up to the spot it was in. And we kind of all no. expected it not to. And it, it just met our expectations of being disappointing in that in that regard. And I, th- I think that's another part of it. I went in with low expectations and I expected it to... Not that I expect. I, I almost thought, oh, well, they'll exceed what I'm thinking they're capable of. And the fact that they came in so so much below what I was expecting, I think that hurt it as well. Maybe that's just my own personal bias towards it, but um, obviously I had very little faith that they would deliver anyway, and then to just be so bad, in my opinion, just made me feel that it was just wasn't even worth two stars <laughs> so um one last match from this show that we'll we'll uh we'll go to since since we've got you on and we've been talking about ott and devlin a lot um that was what they did with devlin was weird because the whole banks thing that worked that was cool that got him over like a big deal he felt important that could have been like a a cool lead into um him being you know, they're almost correcting their mistake, and he's taking out Banks. He maybe wins a, a, another match here, and then he's the next challenger at the next takeover or something, and kind of gone with what they should have gone with here. Uh, instead, Dev uh, Bala comes out, has a raw match with Devlin, beats him very decisively, and Devlin kind of looks like a geek, kind of. Yeah. Uh, it... It wasn't great. Like you say, the Banks story made sense. Um, the fact that Banks wasn't actually it like it was a storyline injury, um, just makes it all the much worse. I think like there was no reason that it had to be Devlin to face Balor. They could have had Balor on the show and had their their WWE moments. You know, oh, what a moment it is for Finn Balor to show up. Coming like, home they, to the they, UK. They, uh... Yeah. <laughs> That that's the other part of it as well, yeah. They have like these two Irish wrestlers face off in the UK and try to, you know, big it up as this big thing and a lot of the crowd were like the crowd like we mentioned earlier, the crowd were only just getting past the whole comparisons to Balor. And then Balor comes out to face Devlin. And it just it it set him back and it was just utterly pointless and it, it's very annoying. I mean the match they had it was fine, like you said it was it was almost like a sped up raw match to me. The work was good, you know, but the fact that Balor won so decisively and put uh, uh, Jordan away with such ease, it just set him back so much. And um, it just, I just don't understand why they did it. Like, I get it. Balor's on the main roster. He's challenging Brock at the Royal Rumble, I think. You're not going to have him lose because NXT's the minor leagues and 
you know. But they didn't need to exactly. Book it. <laughs> don't book the match. Like it's you book this shit, as Rich always says. Like it, yeah, it's, it's it's not hard. Um, and he. I mean, they they they, they could have had anybody else. They could have Joe Connors come out to the ring and cut a shitty promo because that's what Joe Connors does. And Balor could have came out, done his couple of moves, hit the coup de gras, crowd are happy. Like you had like Wolfgang there, just just have that match or something. Yeah, like um, it's. You could even have like the WWE moment of like Devlin beats Banks and then he's talking trash about being the the best best Irish wrestler. Then Balor then comes out, kind of has a stare down with him, and then has a match with I don't know Wolfgang beats Wolfgang, and then say they then went and had a at the next tapings they had uh, Balor and Devlin main event uh, a TV episode. And they have not a raw match, but kind of like a drawn out big match. Because a part of the problem was if this had been like a long drawn out match, really hard fought, and De- and Balor manages to just get the win, maybe Devlin gains a little from that. But the way it was so concise and definitive, it just kind of was like, oh yeah, this guy's been talking all that shit about being the best Irish wrestler. He's clearly not. Don't, just disregard him. He's nothing special. And it, it's just night and day how special Devlin managed to feel in OTT. And then you got this. And, you know, he's he's managed to shine through a bit through NXT UK, simply, like, with how talented he's been. But he doesn't really feel special, and this match has done nothing to help that. that. No. Uh, I mean, apart from the Pete Dawn match... Which was it was a really great match, a good, really good TV match. Um, I mean, nothing he's done in NXT UK has felt anywhere close to even his worst stuff in OTT this year. So, I mean, I was looking for him to have a big performance with Banks. I thought the two of them would go out to steal the show. Um, so to say I was disappointed would be, you know, an understatement. Um, like you said, they booked a shit. They didn't need to do it. They, I don't think they quite killed them off, but they've come very, very close to killing off any heat that Devlin would have had. Right. It, it, at very least, it completely invalidated any of the work the angle with Banks did. Mm-hmm. Like no, not yeah. no one remembers that he destroyed Banks. Everyone remembers going to remember from this show that this was the show Devlin got definitively beaten by Balor and like kind of brushed aside and said, uh, "This is the real star." Don't don't worry about that other Irish guy who looks a, a little tiny bit like him. And it and it's like he's, look, he's not even the best person from his country. It's like so, you can't even take what he says in that sense to be true. Yeah, it it you know it's it, it won't good. It won't good. I think we, we we've gone a decent length now, so I think we'll be be wrapping up now. Uh, thank you for for joining me on this show, Lee. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? I know you've got a new podcast, so plug away. Yeah. Uh, I- Recently started a new podcast with uh, Dave Ryan, uh, a guy I'm sure many of you are familiar with from Twitter. Um, it's at WCW Thunderpod um, on Twitter. Um, we basically watch and review every episode ever of Thunder for everybody, so they don't have to, basically. We will suffer through it for everybody else. Um, basically, it's just us sitting down, having a chat, watching the show, and having a few laughs. And obviously, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's 
at Malone underscore 713. Um, I occasionally do a bit of writing for VOW. Um, Rob is my editor-in-chief mostly, most of the time, <laughs> so he, he gets to decide whether it's good enough or not. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be doing a couple of more articles this year than just show reviews. So um, yeah, obviously if you want to follow me, mostly on Twitter. I don't really do any other social media, so. Cool, cool. You can um, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at BritRefRound. That's B-R-I-T-W-R-E-S-R-O-U-N-D. I'm currently in the process, and by the time this goes up, probably part two will be up, uh, of writing a three-part uh, European Match of the Year roundup um, series of articles. So if you're yeah, you wanted to check if any hidden gems have, have passed you by of 2018 before you submit all your rep match of the year lists, then uh, hopefully that'll be of some use. Um, that's obviously on uh, voicesofwrestling.com. And, oh, one other thing I should uh, plug. Tickets for the WXW podcast marathon, of which this podcast is going to be a part of, um, are now on sale if you are going to be at uh, 16 Carat and you fancy coming and being a part of the audience for that. Um, that's over on the WXW website. We'll have more detail about exactly what we're going to be doing there closer to the time, but um, we're going to try and make it fun. And there's there's a lot of great, great podcasts there. Um, so if you do fancy buying a ticket to that, then uh, WXW-Wrestling.com, I think. I should have probably checked that before I made the plug. I'll... <laughs> Yeah, I got it right. I know what I'm talking about. Um, other than that, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll probably be back next week with an interview. Until then, thanks for listening. Goodbye.